Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the community, I am Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp. For those seasoned listeners, thank you so much for tuning back into another segment. With me today in the hot seat is a special guest by the name of Alice McVeigh. And let me tell you a little bit more about Alice. She is a prize-winning novelist and has had contemporary fiction published by Orion and Hatchet, speculative fiction published by Unbound and prize-winning Jane Osmithew, fiction published by Warley Hall Press. Last year, a quarterfinalist in the Book Life Prize, she has also won gold medals in the Pencraft, Elit, and Global Book Awards, and been a finalist for the International Book Awards, the Eric Hoffman and Chartic Clears, Sin Gunest. These are all new to me, y'all, so I apologize for butchering it awards among others so Alice is definitely a woman on the ride she has a lot of accolades and a lot of things around her book so I don't want to be long-winded today so I'm going to give Alice a chance to introduce herself a little bit more so without further ado please welcome Alice McVeigh Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Um, yes, I've had rather an odd life. I was born in Seoul, South Korea, um, and then I lived um, in Asia. My parents were um, diplomats until I was 13, and we had a wonderful time in Asia. It was absolutely amazing. Um, we had tennis courts and servants, and our schools, especially in Burma, there were only six people in my sixth grade class. So we were all friends. It was all just amazing. Anyway, then my life took a turn for the worse because I came back to America. Nothing personal. I'm, a, I'm American. I love America. But um, I had to move from a school that, like that to an intermediate school where there were 400 people in my year. And I was desperately depressed. I felt as if I'd lost my entire identity. So um, I got deeply depressed. The only bright spot for me was that I knew I wanted to play the cello. And the reason I wanted to play the cello was because my father adored the cello. He was a really good singer, though, an amateur singer. He was never trained, uh, tenor voice. And uh, he always used to play cello concertos when we, were, when we lived in Asia. And believe me, um, I'm not joking. We had very little choice other than to listen to classical music because the TV that was on in Singapore and Burma and Thailand was all in native languages and we couldn't watch it. We didn't understand it. So it was like a big day in the American embassy. We got a Disney film in and it only happened once a month. Anyway, so um, basically that was my life when I was young and uh, I wanted to play the cello. So when I came back, I was 13 to America. I picked up the cello and I didn't let go. I started practicing three hours a day and I finished up practicing seven hours a day. I did my finger in. I still have a little bandage on it. Um, so basically, uh, I, I practiced too hard. Um, but it was my salvation because it was my identity. I suddenly had an identity. I was the best cellist in the school. Then I was the best cellist in my area, Virginia. Then I was the best cellist in Virginia. So in other words, I was that determined. 
Yeah, wow. And we're going to pause here because we see how you've had vast cultural clashes by living outside of the U.S., even though you're American. And we also see personal growth and development with you being an author, you falling in love with the cello, being the best cellist, and all of those incredible accolades, which helped you become the woman that you are today and reach the number of accolades you have today. So today I want to spend some time really diving into personal growth as well as cultural clashes because in order for us to grow personally, we must be aware of the things inside of us as well as around us. And I think that speaks to you, Alice. Would you agree or disagree? Completely agree. Could not agree more. So living outside of the U.S. and you were born in Seoul, then you came back to the U.S. and then you did all these incredible things. And how have those significant moments in your life helped you develop personally and professionally today? That's such a deep question. Um, I think I think the cultural clash was important because I felt like an outsider. I felt like an outsider in Asia because I had a white skin and I was... I had an American accent, and that was sometimes a huge advantage because people so admired America. I have to say, um, you know, people would, would ring us up and say, wow, you landed on the moon, and we're going, nothing to do with us. <laughs> and the other thing was, and the other thing was, of course, that, that, that it was also resented because America is resented, let's be honest, uh, because America is too powerful. It's just so powerful, and that's going to cause resentment. So there were these these things going on. Um, yes, I think it probably helped shape me as a writer because I was I was always aware of all these undercurrents that were happening, um, undercurrents in, with regard to my country, undercurrents with regard to what I wanted to do, the cello and so forth. And um, But at the same time, I, I, I always was a writer. I think my whole life has been kind of a divided because they, the two parts of me have been at war. There's the part that wanted to play the cello and the part that wanted to write. And my parents, my parents were amazing parents, don't get me wrong, they were fantastic. And in fact, they partly came back to America on my behalf because I bullied them. I said, I have to play the cello. And in Burma, there was no cello. There was not even a, a full-size cello. And in Singapore, there wasn't a little cello, which is what I needed when we were in Singapore. So, you know, but it was partly because of me they came back. Um, so I give them all kinds of credit. But in terms of writing, my father was a writer, he was a biographer as well as a diplomat. And he always thought writing was a mugs game. He thought it was so great. I played the cello. He really wanted me to pour myself into that. And there was a part of me that kept going, I should be writing. So my whole life, it went it, it fluctuated both ways. So I started off as a cellist. I, I went to London to study with Dupre. And she was amazing, by the way. Um, Two days ago was her 35th anniversary of her death, um, Jacqueline Dupre, and she was such an inspiration to me. Um, so I came to London to study with Dupre. Then I got married. I fell in love. I got married. And my parents were going, what? You get to stay there? And I'm going, yes, I'm going to stay there. So, so I have. And that worked out really well, except, as I said to you, we had a really rough time when I was, had, I couldn't get pregnant and nobody knew why. Um, but anyway, so m the two parts of me, the writing part of me and the cello part of me, the two creative parts of me were always, I couldn't do them both at once. I couldn't travel around the world with the Royal Philharmonic, which I did do for 10 years, 
and still write, you see? And I couldn't write and travel around the world. I, it, it was just everything, it's, it's always been slightly out of kilter. Um, so I think there were always these two things struggling inside of me. There's a part of me as part of you, as a part of every creative person that's struggling for self-expression. Yeah. And that part of me didn't reconcile itself completely until quite recently, surprisingly. And let's pause there because you said a whole lot there that the audience is going to take apart and digest it because there was two parts of you, the writing part and the cellist part, and you love them both, but you mentioned that you couldn't do them at the same time. So my question to the audience is, how many of you are out there going through a power struggle where half of you wants to do something and the other half wants to do something else. And what is it going to take for you to intertwine the the both of them? Because from the outside looking in, Alice, and from what I'm hearing, I wonder if now that you know what you know, if you can write music for other cellists to, to play since you are a writer and you also love the cellist, maybe you can com- compose something. That's just a wild card thought there. And then... The fact that you said your parents moved back to the U.S. partly because of you, it shows how much your parents were willing to invest in you because they saw your love, your drive, and your passion for something amazing. And they said, you know what? We need to support our child. And that's exactly what they did, which I feel like there is some of that in you now as a mother, since you mentioned IVF and For those of you listening, IVF is a process for those who are have who have issues conceiving and they go through certain certain things to make sure they're able to carry a child. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and it is very pricey and not all insurances cover it. So now that you have this beautiful human being that is a blessing to you, how can you see yourself as a creative? as a mother and having explored the world, giving your daughter what she needs to ignite her purpose and passion. You've said so much and it's so deep. I'm just blown away by your insight. Um, I've made a few notes. It's it's very difficult um, for, for a start. Like most normal people who've been healthy their whole lives, though God knows a lot of people haven't been. Um, I just assumed I could have a child. I thought, right, I, I've, I'm, I'm in my mid-30s. I've been really successful. I played with London orchestras. I've had books published by big five publishers. Of course I can have a child. Well, <laughs> we had every test known to man. I was fine. My husband was fine. Nobody could figure out why we couldn't have a child. I think it was God's will. He was working on me. Um, anyway, I feel I, I just felt I just felt completely demoralized by this. I just thought this is the one thing that I want. It derailed my career as a writer because what happened was I was really fortunate. I I was playing around the cello and then I got frustrated because I'm I'm like this. I'm I'm kind of arrogant in my way. I regret to say that's my worst fault. And the thing is, if you're an orchestral cellist, you're told what to do by the conductor. So the conductor says, you will play on this beat. You will play this dynamic. You will do. And then the principal does the same, your principal cellist. So in other words, I was told what to do all the time. And that's not me. I like to 
have more power than that. It's a it's a, a part of me. So I got frustrated. So I start I started remembering my talent for writing, and I, I wrote a novel. And I and everybody said, "Don't be deaf. You never get it published." Anyway, so I sent it off to three agents, and the third agent. Peter Fraser and Dunlop, they're one of the top people in London, accepted me. And within a month, I had a contract from from a big five publisher. I just thought I was dreaming. I thought, why have I wasted all this time on the cello? Anyway, so so the whole point was I, I, I thought I was dreaming. And I was dreaming because I wasn't really together in my mind. So the first book was amazing. It did really well. It was number 35 in the whole bestsellers of Great Britain. Then the second book did pretty well. And then because I was so upset about not being able to have a baby, which you've touched on very eloquently, I couldn't even finish the third. It was awful. And so my agent dumped me, my publisher dumped me and I just thought I'm useless I can't do anything I've given up playing I haven't given up playing the cello I always carried on playing the cello but I kind of stopped working at it I stopped pushing my career um I thought I've got nothing absolutely nothing it was it was absolutely rock bottom and then the miracle happened because God gave us God gave me the baby. So that changed my life around. And I thought, I don't care about writing. I don't care about the cello. I got my baby. And that was what I wanted. But after a while, because I'm like that, I got ambitious again. So what happened was I did two things. Well, I did three things. I went into ghostwriting, which is really fun, by the way. And I do recommend writers who have trouble with their own writing, if they're really, you know, if they're adaptable and flexible to to go into ghostwriting. So what I did was was that people would uh, contact me, publishers who'd heard about me, and they'd say, well, you'd write a book for so-and-so who's famous, but he can't write. It's almost always a man. Women can generally write. I don't know why. Anyway, so basically, um, and so I, I would do this writing, but what made me, it made me feel a little bit as the cello had. In other words, when I was in a section, I didn't have any power. I was doing what the conductor told me to do. Now I was doing what my client told me to do. You see what I mean? So I didn't have, I didn't have any authority. I didn't have any self input into the process and so after a while I got really fed up with it so my daughter got older and she went to university she went to Oxford she's amazing and and I thought no I'm going to write for me again and that was a huge step forward a major step forward wow because then I thought I could do it and that is amazing Alice and audience if you really listen intently you heard that she went from being bossed around to then not having hope and just second guessing herself to finding her hope again, to dreaming again, to living again, to really fulfilling what it is that Alice wants. So for anyone out there listening or watching this video, if you've ever felt like you had self-doubt, if you felt like you went through losses, rejection, um, you felt like you were inadequate, you felt insufficient, you had imposter syndrome, once you take time to step back and reset, then you will find your why again. And once you find your why, you're going to be ready to launch out deep. You're going to be ready to step outside of the box and really start living again, dreaming again, not just surviving, but thriving, flourishing, and et cetera. And sometimes we have to go through those L's which I like to say losses in order for the wins to happen, the big W. So Alice, her win, her daughter, 
her win, her books, her accolades, and becoming so happy with what she's doing now that she is now in the driver's seat and no longer in the passenger seat. So we're going to pause on this note here, Alice, and we're going to jump in to the connection part of the segment where the audience gets to know you a little bit more because we didn't do it in the beginning because I wanted to do something different with you this time around. So there's two options here, Alice. We could do either the rapid fire 10 question game, emphasis on rapid, or we can do an icebreaker that kind of summarizes everything and puts a pretty bow on the present. Then we'll do your call to action. So what are you in the mood for? Rapid fire or breaking the ice in a summary form? I'm a rapid person, so I'm going to go rapid. Okie dokie. We're playing rapid fire with Alice at Genesis. Do 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 do. Question number one. What's one word that describes you? Crazy. Question number two, favorite color? Purple. Question number three, what is your drink of choice? Coffee, tea, or something else? Coffee. Question number four, what's one quote that you live by? One quote. Did you say quote? Yes, quote. Quote. Oh, golly. That is so hard. There's so many quotes. Um, I'm trying to think of the Graham Greene quote that I live by, but I can't recall it this moment, which is really interesting. So I think it may be that I'm too busy involved with my husband's book because I'm editing my husband's book at the moment. Um, it's a musicological book on concert life in London, 1900 to 1914. And everything beyond that is slightly weird. Um, uh, no, I can't think of a quote. Sorry. Okay, no worries. Question five. What's your favorite food? Pizza. Ooh, yes. Question six. You get re- three random acts of kindness per day. What are your three for today? Well... I've got a friend going through radiotherapy and I contacted her today. Um, I've got a friend who was bereaved recently and I contacted her today, but I still feel guilty. I haven't contacted my brother who's facing an operation uh, today. So I need to do that tomorrow. Amazing. Seven, as a mom, what's one piece of advice you would give to a new mom or a seasoned mom? This is such a good question. I would say uh, two pieces of advice. Um, I was an older mother. I was 39 when I had my daughter. And I'd waited so long to have my daughter. And two things I think I could have done better. One, I think I could have been kinder to myself. I was always beating up on myself because I just thought, I'm, I, you know, I was impatient. I was, I was not, you know, it's difficult to be a mom. It's so hard to be a mom. And I wish I would, I'd been kind to myself. But most of all, I wish I'd been more honest with my daughter. I wish instead of pretending I'm in control, which I was always pretending, I just said to her, look, you know, I've had a really crap day. I've had a really, really rough time. You know, the rehearsal did not go well. You know, my writing was rubbish. You know, I wish I'd been more honest with her. And now she's older, I can be completely honest with her. And that's such a gift. But I think I could have had that earlier. Amazing. Well, we live to learn. And that's a great piece of advice. Be kind to yourself and be more honest with your children. Question eight. 
If you had the opportunity to go anywhere in the world and money was no option, where would you go? Okay, that's easy because my husband has taken me most places and I've been most places, but I want to go to New Zealand because I love Lord of the Rings and it was it was filmed there. And my husband goes, eh, it's just like Wales. It's green. It's beautiful. It's hilly. It has sheep. He won't go. So that's where I'm going. Question nine. What is your go-to movie? Uh... No, probably it would be Pride and Prejudice, um, 1995. Okie dokie. And question 10. It is our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, our roles are reversed and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question. So do you want to pass or play? We'll play. Okie dokie. So I get to ask you a question. Oh, that's pass. You want to pass? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'll pass. Yeah. Okay. What's your question? I think you're incredibly mature for your age. I can't believe it. You're like younger than my daughter. I'd like to know at what age you realized who you really were. Okie dokie. So that's a loaded question. So it's a loaded question. So I'm 31 now, (laughs) and I thought you were about 25. I'm 31 now, just turned 31 in August. And I think I really realized who I was in high school after being victimized by bullying. And that's when I went on a spiral downward effect. But I had loving parents. Well, my dad passed in uh, 2020 in November, and my mom is still living. So I've had loving family members and parents who just poured love into me and just nurtured me and that helped me get back on the saddle and just keep on riding and plus I started to realize who God said I was and not what the world saw me as and that was a big point of reflection for me in order to come into my true self and my identity because I no longer needed to seek validation from other people when I already had you know assurance in who I was and I may not be everything that I want to be, but at least I'm progressing. And I'd rather have progression over perfection. Can I just say, if I was your mother, I would be very proud. Thank you. So audience, that concludes our connection part of the segment. I hope you got to learn a little bit more about Alice. Now we're going to jump into the CTA, which is the call to action. So Alice, based on our conversation today, What is your call to action for the audience? We gave them a lot of meat and potatoes, but what's the point of giving them knowledge if they're not going to take the knowledge and apply it so they could be a better person for themselves and others? I think we have touched on a lot, and I think I give you credit for that because of your questions. Um, I think... I think what I would really love them to take away is something from you and something from me. Um, The something from you is how you were bullied and you rose above. And that is very inspiring with the help of God. The second thing uh, would be for me, which is that I think, I think it's, it comes down to, you asked me earlier about what quote, you know, you sort of live by and so forth. And and I tried to reach for the growing green. I couldn't find it. But uh, something my father once said to me, to thine own self be true. I think it's taken me a long time, longer than it should have, to find out 
who I really am. And I would say to be entirely honest with yourself. So my advice, if they're asking for it and they're not, <laughs> they may not even be interested, but, but, but those two things I would say, since you asked. Amazing. And now tell our audience how they could connect with you. Plug your website, and I'm sure your social platforms are backlinked on your website, right? Yes, yes. Uh, my website is Alice McVeigh, which is M C V E I G H uh, dot com. And uh, all of my links are there if anyone's interested. Um, my books are very, are very different. Um, which is kind of a problem in a way. I started off writing literary fiction. Then I wrote a speculative thriller, which has got language in it, I must warn people. And now I'm writing Jane Austen-esque fiction, which is historical fiction, and more or less like Jane Austen, but according to, to the major reviewers, it's very like Jane Austen. So if you like historical fiction, that's what I'm doing at the moment. But basically, um, just a privilege to be here. And thank you so much for asking me. My pleasure. And audience, I hope you got something out of this segment because we are here to provide content that is educational, inspirational, and motivational while also weaving in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging because it does take all of us coming together and linking arms to go further and faster so we can make this world a better place. And my big ask ASK is for brand sponsors. It takes resources to continue to fuel the mission and movement behind this show. So if you're interested in linking arms with me and having your products and services heard right here, where this show is ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts, per the KPIs on www.listennotes.com. Send me an email at gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp at gmail.com. It's easy to remember because it's the full name of the show and just put at gmail.com. Make sure you like, comment, follow, and subscribe for more information and to always be in the know of new topics and guests that come into the community. And if you want something here that you haven't heard yet, Send me an email because feedback is a gift. I take the feedback, I build upon it, I learn, I grow, and so does the audience, which is you. So I thank each one of you from the bottom of my heart. And thanks for supporting those that are a part of the community. Until the next guest, next segment, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day and never stop dreaming because the minute you start dreaming is the minute your dreams die and end up in the graveyard because you were too afraid to ignite them here on earth. So be mindful. You are here for a purpose. You were born for a purpose. So it's time for you to walk out your purpose. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, 
K-E-M-P at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.